Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we pray that you would bless your word. Uh, we will take responsibility to be the church and, and to understand your instruction for our lives and to walk in the counsel of God because our proclamation is the hope of salvation to all people. And so we pray that you would bless your word this morning and make it a light to our feet. Make it an instruction to the, to the church, to the body of Christ, that we might walk with the responsibility we have to address those in our generation wherever they lie, Father God, in whatever condition that they exist. Our responsibility is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they might know salvation, and that they might come uh, from their sins and from darkness to light to your wonderful kingdom of righteousness. And we pray, Father God, that you give us understanding this day, and that your word, Father God, would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name. Bless this message, Lord, and touch the lives that are supposed to hear this message with your spirit, O oh God. Allow them to come to you, Lord. Allow them to hear an invitation that draws them near to you. You said, come unto me, all those that are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest for your souls, says the Lord. Take my yoke, which is easy, and my burden, which is light. Father, I pray that salvation would be the result of this message. Uh, deliverance and healing, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're going we're gonna to embark with the beginning here, because I'm going to make a... Um, a contrast here um, with respect to precious things. Uh, we, we need to start in that, that premise because a lot of people already categorize whatever expression of unfamiliarity and we're quick to throw it in the trash and, and discard it. But no, the most precious things in the world, God has purpose. And when they're not used in God's purpose, they become uh, a stench in the nostrils of God. You got to be clear with that. You, 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 we need to be able to draw the correct line um, in order that we might... Uh, achieve God's heart. So Genesis 2.11, we're going to start out with this expression of biblical definition of gold. And, and here we are. Um, it's talking about, it's the first mention of the word gold in the Bible is in Genesis 2.11. And it finds itself there in the, near the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says where there is gold. So we all know what gold is. It's a precious metal. And we know that this metal is the most talked about metal in the Bible. It's, it's, uh, it's used uh, throughout uh, the Bible in many expressions. There's no other metal mo mentioned more than gold in the entire Bible. And the Bible says in Haggai 2.8, all the gold is mine. So we know that to be true, um, that God has ownership in that which he's created. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. So in that regards, um, this highly valued metal in the Bible has been used abundantly. We see in the Bible, there's cups 
made out of gold, and then there's crowns made out of gold. Um, there's shields and bells and vessels and scepters and altars and thrones. Throughout the Bible, we see a lot of the use of this precious metal that belongs to the Lord. Um, there's even door hinges, and, and we at the end of the Bible, we hear about the streets of gold. In different grades, there's pure metal, I mean pure gold, precious gold, fine gold, perfect gold, there's threads of gold, there's weights of gold, talents of gold, pure gold, d- gold dust. Uh, even 1 Samuel 6.18 talks about uh, somebody making images of gold rats. There were gold mice that surrounded uh, these areas. Um, and according to the golden rats, according to the number of the cities. So uh, sometimes they would form this metal into the images. And while many times we see the divine purposes of gold, uh, we know that man began to melt gold and form idols. And now you see that the precious metal that God created for divine purposes now is thwarted and used to form false idols, idols or false gods made in the image of man. So this distortion of placing gold in the form of an image that is given a value, listen to me, what's an idol? Above God. You get something that God created, now you just put it, and now that's God, and God is no longer God. And so we've seen this. The Bible says that Proverbs 8, 12, uh, wisdom is, the price of wisdom is above gold. Uh, seek wisdom because it's value. Verse 12, uh, I mean verse 14 now. Um, uh, let's read it. Verse 14, counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. He's talking about wisdom, but verse 17 now. My fruit is better than gold. Yes, than the best gold, fine gold. My revenue, my increase is above choice silver. And then finally, verse 18. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches. So it's talking about wisdom having a value above gold. So as this month is dedicated to the celebration of gay pride and it's growing more and more we're seeing rainbows everywhere they have chosen the rainbow as the expression of this journey for men and women that purpose to cover guilt and shame that's why they call it pride in order to not walk in guilt and shame for behavior that is uh the, the bible describes it without any um, it's, it's not hidden in the Bible. It's not secret. It's not kept. Uh, the, the, the result of all sin, all sin is shame. And when, whenever you do something that is not appropriate to God's standard, forget about the church, forget about preachers, forget about religion. We go straight to the standard of God. And anytime a man or a woman walks in conduct that's sinful, the result is shame. There's going to be a sentiment that's deep and dark. In order to override this sentiment, they have called it the pride, um, the, the, the celebration of pride in that existence, um, trying to um, put away the guilt and shame as a result of living uh, as gay, lesbian, bisexual, uh, or transgender. Uh, all these things that have been discouraged and opposed 
by the word of God. Uh, they want to promote dignity. They want to promote equality of rights. They want to increase their visibility. And so they have adopted the word pride as an attempt to dispel the shame with this lifestyle. So I, I want to just say that, that that's not a good step. And, and to deal with shame, the, the step is not pride, is repentance. See, the, the pathway to deal with shame is not to cover up in pride and find a pretty flag and rainbow to make it look nice. See, uh, Proverbs 11 verse 2 says that um, when pride comes, then comes shame. You, you don't cover shame up with pride. Uh, pride will lead to more shame, justifying trying to defend, uh, lifting yourself up. But with humble, with the humble is wisdom. And, and that's what we want uh, from our vantage point as a church. In the midst of all this scenario, our children are getting bombarded left and right. Uh, I was walking down South Beach one time and, and I was with my cousin and we're walking down and all of a sudden in this particular area, uh, we see that I started feeling a little bit funny and guys are looking at me and, and all of a sudden I see some rainbows and I, I found I had walked into a gay colony, a gay beach. Uh, and, and so that, that scenario, they have marked out a, a, a territory there on South Beach where they gather um, and, and again, they, they, they mark their territory in that regards. But we want to understand what is God's voice and not uh, walk in further destruction, which would be hatred or violence. The expression of gay pride should not birth out of us a hatred or a violence. Um, when we went to Peru uh, with Focus on the Family, uh, we were doing a family conference and, and the gay lesbian transgender bisexual community came out and they were picketing and they were boycotting and they were striking and they were bringing uh and i said i need to go talk to those people because they obviously don't understand why we're here and and they might think that we're here to do something wrong and so i walked outside and they were all there and i said hey i just want to come and tell you that that we're not here against you we're here promoting family and they're like, no, we have the right to be gay. Yeah, you, you, actually, the Bible does give you the right to continue on in whatever expression you want. God is calling you to repentance. You can refuse and continue to live like you want. But God has something better for you. And they're like, what do you mean better? Yeah, that you would have family because family is good. You have cousins, you have uncles, you have aunts, you have, see, that, that's what we're promoting. We're promoting family. We're not, no, you're against us. No, we're not against you. We're for the family, and we're here in a family conference, and that's what we're promoting. So I, 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 was, I started giving out hugs. I was like, come here. I'm, I'm going to show you that there's no animosity. And it broke down the whole picketing, and they all went home. They left their flags. They, left, they, they, they didn't riot anymore um, because we need to be able, I think the Bible says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you're able to speak truth to these people, a lot of people have not heard truth, and so they walk in this scenario. I love Romans 1.16 where Paul says like this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So a lot of people are said like, oh, you're, going, you're gay, you're going to hell, you're homosexual. No. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because one day we were blind, we were deaf, we were lost, we were going, uh, 
here, this man right here was the biggest candidate for hell, for the lake of fire. In my rebellion, in my disobedience, in my pride, my, my, my attitude against God, I was going straight to hell. Thank God somebody had the mercy to proclaim the gospel and, and not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of who you are as the people that are to proclaim salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's power in that gospel for everyone who believes, the Jew first and then uh, the Gentile. So we, we're the ones that, that have to understand from the beginning premise. Here it is, Romans 3.23. Since all have sinned, there's no classification. Oh, but you're, but I'm, no. You, my friend, are just as sinister and as wicked and as God forsaken as anyone else who is in sin. Uh, it, it's a snare. It's a captivity. It's a satanic um, expression destroying the image of God. Like gold being precious is formed into an idol. Any thought twisted outside the order of God becomes a, a, a sure um, expression of God's judgment and wrath. That's just, that's just the bottom line. Um, so all have sinned, and because they've sinned, they're not producing the expression of the glory of God. There's nothing more beautiful than a man who obeys God in every respect. A liar, a thief, a liar, a thief, a murderer, a rapist, all are a stench in God's nostril, and God calls to this incredible repentance. So um, we're not, and I was just up in Vermont, in Burlington, Vermont, telling the guys, yeah, we, there, there is a, because they came up to me and says, hey, what do you say about this sin? And I was like, listen, there's something worse than homosexuality, and it's your self-righteous spirit. It's a religious spirit. It doesn't have the heart of God behind it. it. It doesn't have an expression moving in the purpose of God. So let's not categorize one sin above the other. Um, God is desiring that we walk in. I'm going to tell you something real, real quick, real quick. Um, I've seen many expressions of different lifestyles. I have not seen anything worse than a self-righteous person. That, that, in my category of classification, you walk around thinking, you know, and we see this in the mindset of the Pharisees and the scribes, and, and, and he says, the, the prostitute is going to be able to come in before you guys. She's going to qualify for grace way before you do, because your mindset is twisted. So we ask God, God, give us your heart, because we are um, the, 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 rite of passage or the next way for some people to understand the heart of God in our expression. So God is calling all men to repent. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So since all have sinned, all are called to repentance. No, no greater standard one for the other. They're all being led to repentance. Um, underneath the behavior that is contrary to the standard of God's holiness. The only reason why sin is sin is because God exists. If God didn't exist, there would be no standard. 
You, you don't create the standard. I don't create the standard. The church doesn't create the standard. God, he's the standard. And knowing the proper standard in judgment, where that is, where the line is drawn, uh, I was invited to uh, debate here at FIU. And, and there, were, there, there was a, a Christian side and there was a gay side. And they were, they were battling it out. And I asked a question. If you erase the line and you say that a gay lifestyle is appropriate, the next line is a pedophile. Do you erase that line too and allow men to sleep with boys? And they didn't want to hear that because once you start eroding the line of morality, then bestiality and, and, and all sorts of other crazy stuff are on. So where is it that we draw the line? And I suggest we draw the line where God draws the line. And you establish the, the definition of morality. Um, I was on a TV show and a transgender says, oh, you are so immoral the way you think. I go, no, ma'am, you don't even have an idea what morality is. Morality is the line that God draws between right and wrong. That's morality. And I didn't draw that line. God draws the line where he goes. And I cannot be nicer than God and says, well, you know, if people love one another, let's just go ahead and let people... No, there's a reason why. Um, we had a gentleman come here about four years ago and he came in here and he listened to the word of God. And as we were going outside, I stand outside and I was saying goodbye. And he says, what did you just say? I said, God doesn't want you to be gay. And he says, why not? I thought this was a gay friendly church. I said, come here, give me a hug. I'll give you a hug. I don't have any a personal issue against you, but I will tell you that God wants you to have family. And wants you to have children and wants you to have fruitfulness and wants you to have grandchildren and you be a dad and a grandfather. And you, you know, here um, it, in Key West, they have something called gay community. It was a closed community. I said, that's a lie. You can't have a gay community because it only lasts one generation. There's no offspring. You, you can't have an existing community when people are sterile and barren in their lifestyle. So that is why God wants all men and all women to be fruitful, fruitful and to fill the land. So, so that is the standard of God for our existence. Now underlying a sentiment that addresses sin in an inappropriate perspective and mindset is a rebellion. It's, it's saying, I don't want to do what God wants. And so the Bible says that those who rebel will dwell in a dry land. There's no fruitfulness for their lives. I have a cousin, um, and she uh, has a partner, a female partner, and uh, they decided they wanted a baby. So they go and pay a gentleman, and, and he gives them a sperm cell, and they put it in my cousin's partner, and she births a child, a little boy. And, and now they have a mess because the father wants to be a father. When he didn't want to be a father at first, he was like, I'll give you a sperm cell and you could have it and do it because he was gay too. But all of a sudden now he wants to be a dad. And, he, and so they're fighting at court. It's one of the most disgusting cases here uh, for that little child to see um, his biological father fighting his biological mother and then my cousin's the significant other. And it's a big mess in Dade County. So uh, even though they want to put things together and pretend like they will enjoy it, they, they are going through hell on earth and God wants to prevent all this, this expression of selfishness. So here God uh, stands to judge all sin. 
not only the homosexual sin, 1 Thessalonians 4.2, God judges the sexually immoral man and woman. Uh, you know what the commandment we gave you through Jesus Christ. He, he, Paul is saying, you know what we've told you about how you're doing life. Because obviously in the times of Paul, um, the church uh, that was ungodly was serving the goddess of fertility. And so orgies and all manner of sexual deviations were participating. That this is the will of God. Your holiness, your sanctification, verse 3, that you should abstain, stop anything that's twisted sexually. So this is all inclusive, my friends. Um, I, I was reading something yesterday. Somebody posted. It says uh, uh, the, it's the LGBT, and they said and put S there. So we're all inclusive. The straight people should be in, in, in included in that LBGT. Add an S to it so that you don't exclude anybody. But the, the will of God for all of them is that they abstain from anything twisted. Remember the line of morality. Sexual morality has a line. Um, Bill Gothard says that once you get married, sex in marriage is like a fireplace inside a house. But sex outside of marriage is like a fire that hits your house and burns it down. You would have to have uh, your house hit by lightning to understand sex out of marriage. It just destroys everything. And it's the standard of God. God has put it like that um, in, in regards to our care. Uh, we go to verse 4 and he's talking to the to everyone in this regard, this is the will of God, that each of you should possess his own vessel with two aspects, sanctification and honor. This is the call of God in this relationships. Um, and, and then verse five, he says, not in the passions of lust. Don't let lust be your directive. Um, so, so you don't want a relationship that's based on the passions of lust like those who don't know God, the Gentiles. There are people that are not living in the manner of God and it has nothing to do with a gay or lesbian or transgender or bisexual lifestyle. It could be a heterosexual fornication, adultery, all these things that move in the passion of the lust and not in obedience and in um, the opposite of rebellion is submission. The opposite of selfishness is laying down your life not my will, thine be done. So all these expressions we're being called to, God is calling all peoples to the same. And then it goes on, he says um, that each one of you, verse six, understand no one should take advantage or defraud his brother, uh, his brother in this matter because the Lord will address all these things. As we forewarned you, God is the judge of these things. Whoever decides to do contrary is not, it's not defying man or, uh, you know, let's go to verse 7 where it says, um, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but holiness. And verse 8, therefore, whoever rejects this does not reject man. You're not rejecting man. You are 
rejecting God who gives you his Holy Spirit. He wants to bring you into an expression that's greater. So they, they have taken in the rainbow to cover their shame and to walk in gay pride. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 13, we see the purpose of the rainbow. It was set in right after the flood and the rainbow was given as a sign. My rainbow shall be in the clouds. It shall be a sign of a covenant of, of you connecting with God, not you rebelling against God. Don't, don't take a rainbow to cover up your rebellion and your selfishness when God says it's a covenant between me and the earth. Verse 14, whenever I bring clouds over the earth and a rainbow appears in the clouds, right? God is saying, I'm going to put the rainbow up in the sky. Verse 15, I will remember that we have a covenant. We have an agreement between you and I. You're not going to walk in sin no more. Never again will the waters become floods to destroy all life. Verse 16, whenever the rainbow appears in the cloud, I will remember it. And remember that I have an everlasting covenant with every living creature on the earth of every kind. So it's super important. The last day's expression, 2 Timothy 3.2 says, you shall know this, Timothy, in the last days it will be perilous times because men will be lovers of self. Men will decide God is not in the picture. The expression of desiring not to have shame and to walk in the boasting of pride is not for men in the last days who are lovers of themselves. The Bible says they're proud, they're disobedient to their parents, they're unthankful, unholy. So the expression of the last days are those people walking contrary to family. They've diverted, they're distorted, they're disconnected, um, they've become selfish and rebellious. And now Psalm 68.6, we've read it many times, God is promoting family. God puts the individual into family that promotes prosperity. God sets an individual not in a selfish relationship, but in an unselfish relationship. What is that called? In marriage. We talked about that with the men last week at our men's gathering, that marriage is a place where a man gets to deny himself, and all the men say, amen. So we, we're serving our wives, we're serving our children, we're not serving ourselves. And God brings you out to prosperity when you deny yourself. But the rebel will dwell in a dry land. There's no expression of fruitfulness or flowering in a selfish relationship. In fact, James chapter 3 verse 16 says, where there's selfish ambition, you're inviting every demon in hell. Wherever there's self-seeking, there's confusion, mental illness, Every evil thing is there. Why are the highest rates of suicide amongst that community? Because all demons are there constantly devouring these who practice uh, sins um, that are not pleasing to the Lord. And where did it all start? Romans 1 verse 21. Romans chapter 1 verse 21. For even though they know God, they hear God. They did not glorify him. They didn't make him greater in their lives. They were unthankful. They became futile in their darks and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now you're walking in a direction that doesn't please God. Verse 22, it says, for this reason, uh, the wrath of God. They were professing to be wise and they became fools. They're walking contrary to life. The production of family, community, the purpose of God upon the earth. Verse 23, they're not walking in wisdom, we're walking in foolishness. They change the glory like gold 
of God, which is incorruptible, into the image made like beast. They started worshiping things created are greater than the creator. Their, 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 their priority scale is out of sync. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them up to unclean lust in their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. It's all delineated here. Verse 25. They burned with lust, exchanging the truth of God for the lie. They worshiped the creature rather than the creator who's blessed. Verse 26. Therefore... For this reason, God gives them up to vile passions. These spirits that capture them, for even their women exchange the natural use of what is against nature. Verse 27. And the men also, leaving the natural use of a woman, they burn in lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, receiving in themselves the penalty, the consequence of walking in this uh, expression. And so uh, we go on to verse 28. 28 for even as they did not have uh, like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them up to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting they're, they're not consistent with the order of our creation now uh, Acts 17:30. this is the answer we already know that the expression is there because of rebellious and and that opens up to selfishness that opens up to a whole bunch of uh, other sins that are connected to this expression. Acts 17.30 says, these times of ignorance, God has overlooked. There might have been seasons where God was like, you know something, you didn't know better, but now, say it with me now, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Everyone has to turn. The word repent there is metanoia, change of mind. If you're a thief, stop stealing. If you're a liar, stop lying. If you're an adulterer, stop committing adultery. If you're in sexual immorality, a fornicator, stop thinking like that. And walk in consistency with God's word. Everywhere, God commends all men. There's not anybody left out of the equation. And it's super important that we would see that this invitation for repentance is given to all of us. Acts 3.19, the word repent is like if you repent... If you change your mind, if you turn from the direction you're, so that your sins might be washed out, God wants to cleanse you. God wants to wash you and bring times of refreshing from his presence. The absence of refreshing presence is a dry, desolate wilderness where things are uh, suffering. Um, so I want to tell you Romans 2.4 says that the goodness of God leads to repentance. There are simply people that have not heard of the pathway of repentance because the church is judging, it's, it's condemning, it's bringing people to hell. Well, why don't you give them an opportunity to repent? Why don't you preach to them salvation? Why don't you pre preach to them the hope of the cross? A lot of these people think they were born like that and they'll never change. Dwayne Wade's son, now he's 10 years old, 7 years old, and they're telling him that he is gay. Well, guess what? Um... I believe that this message will help him understand that God wants him to repent, that God wants him to turn, that God wants him to come to salvation, to forgiveness, to washing, to not be unclean, to not walk in rebellion and selfishness. The Bible says in Titus 3, 3, 4, let's go to Romans 2, 4 first. I think we just did that, right? Knowing that, the, say with me, the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. When God is saying, hey, come on, buddy, 
Let's get on my team. Let's get, let's get on my side and let me wash you and cleanse you and blot out this scenario that's, that's come upon your life. God leads you to repentance. Titus 3.3 says, for we ourselves, say ourselves, ourselves were once always, uh, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving lusts and pleasures, living malice, malicious, and in envy, selfish ambition, hateful, hating one another, not promoting one another. This is not called love when you are rebellious and promoting rebellion. That's, that's hateful. That's hating. That's the true hatred. Not allowing somebody to have children, to have family, to pull them away from that call of God, which is holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit what God has for them? If you walk in unrighteousness, you can't obtain what the kingdom of God has for you. Do not be deceived. There's not going to be fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and homosexuals and sodomites in heaven. They're not going to receive the things of God. And then look what it says, verse 10. For we once were ourselves. We're not thieves, not the drunkards, the revelers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 says... Such were some of you. There are people sitting here that God has called out of every expression of darkness, sexual twistedness, uh, whorehouses, orgies, uh, all sorts of sexual sin. And God, he says, such were some of you. But what happened? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in Jesus' name and through the Spirit of God. Let's stand up this morning and say, God, give us a heart in this generation to understand your ways and to bring all men, women, children to understand your standard. And then the true rainbow of the covenant of God that God doesn't desire to destroy. He wishes that no man should perish, but that all should repent. That they all come to God. And in heaven, uh, we're going to be blessed and blown away by God's redemption plan. Father, we pray that as our nation is uh, uh, expressing a celebration that's not according to your heart, that, that you would raise up a generation of godly men and women who will raise a flag of salvation. That we not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we might call all sinners to the cross of Jesus, to repentance. Not just the gays, the lesbians, the transgender, the bisexual. Father, not the queer, not the, the gender identity issues, Lord. But that they might be set free in Jesus' name. That they might be washed. That they might be cleansed. That they might be sanctified and be used as vessels of honor, Father. The devil desires to destroy that which is precious. You desire to save and to deliver and to transform uh, people for godly uses for godly purposes to fill the earth with your glory and we father pray in jesus name that this become a reality in our lifetime use us as vessels in your hands lord and also wash us lord from the uh, all manner of expressions that does not please you lord wash your people from pornography wash your people father from lust and from sexual sins lord uh that, that you cleanse us, wash us, and set us free and bring us to salvation according to your purpose. In Jesus' pre precious name we pray and the people of God say amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.